Hello everyone and then welcome to another episode of Voices of Oleron. It is I, your host, Anthony Perez, with my co-host here. And today we're going to be talking about like important LGBT historical figures. Um, as you know, it's going to be your last uh, LGBT themed for the month because Pride Month is over. So we're going to be moving on to like other topics and stuff, but we wanted to end it on this kind of note because it's important for us to know our history if you're in the community and for the people that just don't know about the history, they'll be able to learn from it. Um, it's also like at a really appropriate time because as you know, like the Supreme Court is passing a lot of um laws that like are targeted towards lgbt people primarily trans people and yeah we just thought it was appropriate for right now um i want to start off with probably one of the most if not the most well-known figure um marsha p johnson for those who have heard of her you'll know that she was like Primarily in dealing with like Stonewall, um, she was American gay liberation activist, and they or identified as a drag queen, which we spoke about drag within the last like two podcasts. Um, Again, they're one of the prominent figures in the Stonewall Uprising of 1969. She didn't start it, but she was, like, really involved in it. Johnson, she was a founding member of the Gay Liberation Front, and she co-founded the STAR Activist Group, which stands for Street Transvestite Action Revolutionaries. Um, she founded it with her close friend, Sylvia Rivera. Um, Johnson was a very popular figure in New York City's gay and art scene because, again, um, they identified as a drag queen. And if you were a drag queen back in the 80s and 90s, obviously it's nowhere near as popular as today. So they were like a trailblazer of their own kind. Um. She modeled for Andy Warhol, which is a very well-known artist. Um, she It's really sad what happened to her. Um, they found her body floating the Hudson River. And... The NYPD quickly, like, labeled it as a suicide because it was the way that she died. It looked very suspicious that people started, like, rioting over her death. And they had reopened the case due to, like, oh, it could be a possible, like, homicide, maybe even a hate crime. Um, But it was really bad. I, I had remembered reading about it. 
a few months ago, and I'm not sure if it was that they found wounds on herself, or, I don't remember, but it was, like, really, really sad death, and I feel really bad, because she obviously did not deserve that, um, but yeah, she really put in a lot of effort and work for what we have today and obviously like she has any gratitude and stuff um a quick little like fun fact the p in marsha p johnson stands for pay it no mind which is really just a message in itself of like just don't pay attention to it don't like entertain foolishness is the way i take it um but yeah Um, off the top of my head, it's not that they're like a historical figure. They do; they are a trailblazer. Um, Mr. RuPaul himself, as we mentioned two podcasts ago, I'm not gonna be going too much over them just because we've already discussed about them. But RuPaul's a trailblazer in the drag world. They are known as like the queen of drag right now. They really went through hell and back for where they are now and the empire that they own. There's like a million Drag Race franchises. And she started, or he started in New York. And you're going to see that a lot of times New York is going to be like where they come from or where they originated because, if I'm not mistaken, I think it mainly started like, a lot of LGBT stuff came from New York. The drag scene, the ball scene, um, voguing within ball culture, that mainly started in New York. And RuPaul, he started back in, like, the 90s. And obviously, again, drag is nowhere what it is now. So they really had to just take a leap of faith and they did and then as we all know 2009 the first season of RuPaul's Drag Race came out and it's been a success um who else oh um I actually just read this or not read this. I read a book that a friend of mine wanted to do an essay on. It was called Swimming in the Dark, I think it was called. It's about two gay Europeans and it was during the whole like World War Two timeline. And it mentioned a book called Giovanni's Room, which was a gay novel. The main character is a gay man. And it was made by the author, James Baldwin. Who is one of the most like influential writers in history. Again, they grew up in Harlem, New York. You're going to see that a lot. Um, from the way that they were talking about Giovanni's room and Swimming in the Dark, it sounded really good, really interesting. I haven't gotten to read it myself, but 
from the synopsis that I got in the story, it was it, it sounds really good. Um, do you have any people you want to mention? Yeah, I have because I already talked about like three. So, um, have you ever heard of Emma Stebbins? Stevens, I'm probably pronouncing that horribly. Um, she was um, born in 1815 in New York City. Mm-hmm. Uh, born to like a very affluent family, like very rich family. Um, she became like an artist. Um, have you ever been to like, you went to New York, we know, but uh, did you go to Central Park? Mm-hmm. I did. Did you see the Angel Fountain statue? Um, I don't think I did because I I went to Central Park, but it was so big. We crossed like two sides of it. We walked this two is, sides of it. We didn't really go in. This is a picture of it. So probably not that. It's um a fountain there that has like an angel on top of it. Very beautiful. Mm-hmm. It is kind of like um you'll see it like all over like flyers for the park and everything it's like a really big like meeting spot there's people who do like art stuff around there a lot of the time there's a like amazing like archway where people like play music and stuff right near it it's really cool Mm -hmm. um emma stebbins is actually the one who designed it and built it um, and this was back in uh, 19 or 1859 to 1869. And what's kind of mm-hmm. cool about this, the statue that no one knows is, you know, obviously at that time it was not okay to be LGBTQ in the 1800s, right? Um, mm-hmm. she actually designed the face of the angel to be her lover, Charlotte, um, Cushman, who was an actress um, during that time, who did a lot of, like, male and female roles um, Mm -hmm. in, like, plays and stuff, which I thought was really cool. Um, She's not, like, very well known, but she has probably one of, she made one of the, you know, things that people generally think about when they think about New York and Central Park. and the face she put on there was her lesbian lover, which is great. Um, and she also made, like, the base of it, um, basically these um, cher- cherubs, I think is the word for it, that represent, like, purity and peace and temperance and health, which I think is also great, especially the purity part, because a lot of people, you know, especially back in that time, thought you were unpure if you were part of the LGBTQ community. Um, What's really cool about them is her and Charlotte Cushman lived in Rome for a lot of their time, actually. They didn't live in the U.S. They lived in Rome. I think they were both from New York to begin with. Um, But they created kind of this group of people over in Rome who called themselves the Female Jolly Bachelors. And it was basically just, like, this uh, circle, inner circle of um, lesbian artists. 
which I thought was really cool in the 1800s, right? Um, mm-hmm. And it was just full of like some of the first generation of women's who, women who forge their who LGBTQ women who forge their career in the art. Um, which who which was unheard of at the time um mm-hmm. and actually when they both died they i believe both got buried in the same cemetery next to each other um it's in new york let me see if i can find the name of it my cat is brushing up against my mic um they are both buried in uh greenwood cemetery in brooklyn which is also like unheard of having two women buried next to each other. Um, I think my brother's actually been to that cemetery before. He said it's really cool. There's a lot, that cemetery is apparently home to like a lot of like more famous like LGBTQ people. Um, <clears throat> some other people that were kind of part of that group, um, the Jolly Bachelors, um, female bachelors. Uh, Mary Lewis, who was a sculptor who was mixed um, African-American and Native American heritage, who was also born in um, New York, but did most of her work over in Italy, in Rome, Italy. Um, Mm -hmm. She was like one of the first actually African-American and Native American sculptors to achieve national and international prominence. Um while also being part of the LGBTQ community. Um, As well as Matilda Hayes, who was um, an English writer and journalist, um, who was also part of that group, who actually dated Charlotte Cushman, who was Emma Stebbings, um, basically wife, for a really long time, which is kind of funny, but yeah, it it surprised me when I was kind of looking into this that even in like the 1800s we have like documentation of these um, women who are like, I mean not out out, but like you know out at the same time. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Which I thought was really cool. My brother had told me about Emma Stebbings because he worked at Central Park. So they had to learn, like, all the history of, like, all the different statues and everything there. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Yeah. So that's just one really cool story that I kind of always liked. Um, there are a lot hmm? of... There are so many LGBTQ people that we could talk about, though. Yeah. I'm trying to do, like, the big, big ones. Like, I have four more big ones, and then, like, little ones. Um, When I mean little, I mean that, like, they're still young. They're, like, under 50. They... Not that they haven't done much, but, like, their impact isn't as felt compared to, like, Marsha P. Johnson, for example, or like mm-hmm. RuPaul. Um, one of them is Gilbert Baker. 
which you had just scrolled over, they created the gay pride flag that we know of today, with like the rainbows and stuff. They were actually asked by his friend to make a symbol that represents gay pride, and he hand sew he hand sewed the first one, and that's how it came about today. Um, Larry Kramer, he's known for his writings, but he created two influential organizations during the AIDS crisis. Uh, the first one being the Gay Men's Health Crisis Organization back in 1981 when AIDS was really, really bad. And it, at the time, it was the only group devoted to solving that issue. And then he later created ACT UP, which is, I think the word is an acronym. It stands for AIDS Coalition to Unleash Power. Um, it was an organization that held high-profile demonstrations. In the 80s, he wrote a play called The Normal Heart, which played his experience in the AIDS activism. Um, there is also Anderson Cooper, for those who don't know, is like, a really well-known CNN news anchor. Um, he's an openly gay man. And he has his own show called Anderson Cooper 360, which started in 2003. Um, Laverne Cox, she has become the first openly trans person to be nominated for an Emmy Award. Emmys are not easy to get, <laughs> like, at all. So, props to her. She's also an activist for uh, transgender rights. Michael Sam, which I was there when it happened live. Uh, in 2014, he came out as gay in an interview with ESPN. And he was drafted by the Rams, being the first openly gay man to ever be drafted in the NFL. Um, in 2015, he did leave the sport for good, so it didn't last long. But the fact that you could enter the NFL, which is primarily, um, it's predominantly, not ruled, but like, no, I don't want to say ruled. Uh. It's, like, ruled by the, like, the straight macho man guys. Where, like, oh, if you... Like, it's that culture of... I don't even know how I'm trying to explain this. But, like, it's a really straight-dominated uh, sport. And just to be able to get into it is pretty huge. Yeah. Who else? Uh, Elliot Page, who has starred in Juno and The Umbrella Academy, both good. Um, Elliot Page ha is like one of the more famous. I, I want to say famous because the Umbrella Academy is huge. Uh, I know it's a really loved series on Netflix by a lot of people. 
and he's trans. Um, he, I remember when he announced it, a lot of people were going for them. They were coming after him saying like, oh, you look so much happier as a woman. You look like you're suffering now as a man. And he has not been going through it easy at all. They're really strong. Yeah, then you can talk about people like um, Tammy Baldwin. Have you? T- I don't think you talked about her yet, right? No, I have not. She was the first openly gay person elected to Congress. She was also the first openly uh, gay person in the Senate after her election in 2012. Baldwin like was the real... first open. She was the first. She's been a real like uh, crusader for LGBTQ rights. Um, as well as women rights throughout her political career. Mm-hmm. Um, There's Leonard um, like, no. Matlovich, who um, back in the 1970s, there was a ban on um, any gay service members in the military um and he came out in a letter to his commanding officer in 1975 and he was given like a general discharge from the air force um Mm. which he challenged and fit and it lost and then in 1980 he challenged again and a judge finally ruled in his favor um even forced the government to give him five years back pay um from when he was discharged. Um, and his case, like, even now, is, like, still becomes relevant when um, they try, when they overturn the don't ask, don't tell era, and even in the attempt, um, attempted ban on transgender service members, his, like, case is used um, a lot for those types of rulings, even now, to try and, like, help mm-hmm. keep LGBTQ rights in the military. Yeah. Um, what was I going to say? So yeah, um, we've spoken a lot about HIV and AIDS, this podcast, because a lot of these people had to do with the whole crisis of it. Uh, like Larry Kramer, who, as previously stated, they founded two really important organizations for us, but... I just want to say that HIV and AIDS is not just a quote-unquote gay disease. A lot of people think, oh, only gay and bi men could have it. No. Even straight women, even straight men could get it. Because guess what? Let's say, like, a gay man has it or a bi man has it, and then they have sex with the bi person, the bi person gets infected, and they have sex with a straight woman. That straight woman has it. And then if they pass it on to a straight man. Now the straight man has it. So it's like. It affects everyone. And I don't think a lot of people realize that. 
they just chalk it up to oh you guys cause this this is only a you guys disease but no um it's really devastating i have met homeless people with aids and it's awful what it does to your body i've seen it firsthand um there was one day that i went to go get food to the homeless people with my mom and in downtown on the streets of downtown in miami there was this one man who looked like he was 40s or 50s and he was in his 30s and he said that he has aids and i don't even know if he's alive anymore but like it really just shook me because like wow like that was one example like it was rampant in the gay community back then which again which is why we don't have a lot of older gay people because they were struck really bad with aids um yeah and i mean you don't have to you know have sex to get it either it could be even through like mm-hmm. needles and stuff really anything yeah. can pass through blood all that stuff too um, any bodily fluid basically you think one like really bad misconception is that you get it through touching them and that you can't like hug them or like you can't no that's not how that works like Ali said it's through um bodily fluid um now thankfully there's a lot of like prevention medicine with um prep which is you take it when you're not infected obviously and you use it as like a prevent preventive measure um if you find out that you have hiv or you think you might have it run to the hospital and ask for um pep pep which stands for post exposure prophylaxis um you could only take it after to like a maximum of 72 hours after uh whenever you think you got infected i learned that in my lgbt class back in my first year of college and i have not forgot about it because it's important for us to know and now i'm like sharing it with y'all um the we think three days is short uh think of a three long a three day long weekend and you think to yourself oh my god that's so much time off that's how much time you have you have the same time as a three-day weekend so if you're in Everett in that position do that but i think i've been seeing news on twitter about scientists and researchers finding a potential cure for HIV, I'm not too sure. I had to see about that. But yeah. Well, I think we talked about pretty much everything I wanted to. Did you want to talk about anyone else or anything else? Mm, I think that is all. All right, do you want to tell our listeners what our next podcast is going to be about? Yes, so we actually have the one even, the one even after the one 
coming next week planned out. Um, the week that's coming up, we're going to be talking about death and our experiences with it, how we feel about it, if we're scared, which I am, just spoiler alert. Um, our experience with it, what we think about it, um, our culture and what they do in regards of someone dying close to them, or yeah, I'll be interested like what other to see how cultures. Uh, close and different our cultures is gonna be. Mm-hmm. It's it's gonna be very the same or very different, and I don't know which because you know we both Probably grew up different. Catholic. Yeah, but I grew up Italian. You grew up Hispanic, so. Mm-hmm. I'm yeah. sure some of it will be the same, just because we come from the same religion. But. By the way, yeah. this whole death topic is it stems from the whole submersible accident that just happened. May the rest in peace. Um, I got the idea because like. We now know that they were imploded, but when I came up with this idea, it was because they were what the public was thinking, because what we were hearing from the news and stuff, that they were in the submersible for hours, knowing that they were going to die because they had like no way to get help and they were going to run out of air. So I'm here thinking like, oh, wow, like that is a very like knowing you're going to die is crazy. I don't wish that on anyone. But yeah, that's where it comes from. So. Yeah. Yeah. So come back next week on July the 9th to listen to us talk about death. Fun topic. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, and have a great week until then. <laughs>